Perik Gimel. As I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, as in like last week, one of the things we're going to be learning in Tanya is the biology of the soul. Now before we get into the biology of the soul, I just want to remind you why it's important to understand the biology of the soul. Okay? Remember that the Alter Rebbe is going to talk about the Nefesh Abahamis versus the Nefesh Elokis. But in order to understand how these things interact with the world, how they interact with each other, first we need to know what they are. So here's an important principle, and this is important, by the way, not just in Tanya, but it's important in any learning you do, whether Jewish or secular. If you ever want to know what something is, you need to know what its definition is, and you need to know what it belongs to. Okay, one more time, what its definition is and what it belongs to. For example, if you wanted to understand the definition of the human heart, you need to know two things. Number one, the definition of the human heart is what it is, which is a pump, okay, and what it belongs to, which is the cardiovascular system. Then you can talk about how it pumps blood throughout the cardiovascular system. If you don't know those two things, then you don't have an accurate definition of what the heart is. So when somebody says, what's the definition of the heart? And they go, it pumps blood through the cardiovascular system. Yeah, that's what it does, but I want to know what it is. It's a pump, right? That's what it is. Then there's what it belongs to. Then you can talk about what it does. The same thing is true in Tanya. We need to talk about what system the Nefesh Bahamas and the Nefesh Elokis belong to. But before we do, we need to understand what it is. And in order to understand what it is, we need to understand the stuff that it's made of. And in order to understand the stuff that it's made of, we're going to need to understand where it comes from. So already we spoke about, right, and this was the beginning of our biology lesson of the soul, is the soul comes from the highest point of God, which is the Chachma Ilah, which is to say God himself, because God and his Chachma are one. And even though there's variations in how the soul comes down into this world, which results in splits in the souls, right, there are higher level Rosh souls, lower level Akev souls, right? Those souls still come from the same source. Ultimately, the DNA, even in the lowest level of the fingernail, still comes from the same source. And because they develop differently, they each have different roles. The role of the tzaddik is different than, the lo- and than our role. That's what we've said thus far. Now we're going to get into the actual structure, the biological makeup of the soul. Clear? Okay, here we go. Vihine. What you should know clearly, what you should have down by now, is that if somebody asks you how many dimensions of the soul are there, the answer is three. There's the neshama of the soul, that's your intellect. There's the ruach of the soul, that's your emotion. There's the nefesh of the soul, that how it, that's how it expresses itself in action. But actually, if we probe one level deeper now, and this is new information, each one of those three dimensions of the soul is made up of ten aspects of the soul. So actually, right now, we're talking about 30 different things. Okay? And those are going to be called the eser spheros, but right now, we're just calling them eser bechinos. Ten attributes of the soul. Okay? Correct. So we're going to explain all of that. Now, what are these ten attributes of the soul? How do they relate to HaKadosh Baruch So he says, the next words are, Keneged Eser Sphiros Elyonos, Shenishtal Shalumehen. So it goes as follows. 
The truth of the matter is, we can't speak about God having any attributes. You can't say God is strong, because then he'd be limited to his strength. Okay? Does that make sense? Nevertheless, in order for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to run the world, he has what we'll call ten godly powers. Okay? Now, bear in mind, none of those powers are him. Right? But what they are, are expressions or manifestations of him. Okay? And just as there are, remember, because our soul, and this is important, our soul is going to mirror God's universe. Right? So, in our soul, just as God has these ten powers that he uses to create the world, okay, so too our soul is going to have these ten powers in all dimensions. In the dimension of thought, in the dimension of emotion, and in the dimension of action. Yeah? Is that not minimizing? No. Because we're not saying what God is. We're saying these are the powers that he uses to create the world. Okay? So when we look at the world and we say, for example, right, um, God creates the world. What does he need in order to create the world? In the sense, not need in the sense that he's limited, but what does he need in the sense of what's going to fulfill the tachlis habriya? So let's say love, right? That's going to be one of the fundamental attributes here. So God says, if the world needs love, I'll create the world out of love. You understand? So it's not saying that he is love, but there's a power called love which is invested in the world. Now, just as these ten spheros, okay, that's the word we're going to use. Spheros is like, um, we just call it these ten godly powers. Just as those ten godly powers exist up here, those ten godly powers exist inside of our soul. Now here's what's critical. If you look carefully at the words, what does the Alter Rebbe say? Shenishtal shalumehen. Now, you should be familiar with the word shalshalos already because we used it once already. When did we use it, guys? The chain, correct. When it came to the four worlds, when it came to Atsilos, Bri, Yitzir, and Asir, remember that there was a chain reaction. Atsilos was connected to Bria, was connected to Yisir, was connected to Asiya. So, too, the relationship between the Eser Sviros and the Eser Bechinos. One is directly connected to the other. Our spheros inside of the soul are the de-evolution, right? They're the chain reaction of what happens up above. Chavar, what does that tell you right away about the nature of your soul? That's from... Correct. It's essentially connected to what's going on in Shemayim. So far so good? Yeah, Tovia. Correct. Well, we're going to see how they manifest themselves inside of us, but the same way God has those Eser spheros, we have those Eser Bechinos. You're going to see in a moment. So it's, it's, it's not a part of your soul in like Nefesh Ruach and Neshama are, right? That's your thought, your speech, and your action, right? But they are part of the makeup of your soul. It's going to make more sense in a minute when we continue on. Aaron? Well, is it significant that the ten, the same ten things that Hashem used to create the world are what make up our soul? Meaning that like, do we have that same yes. kind of power of creation? Yes. That's correct. And that's why when you look in Chumash, and this is what the Baal Shem Tov explains, that when Hashem says, Nase Adam, let us make man, who exactly was he speaking to? Some say he was speaking to the Malachim, but Al-Pi the Baal Shem Tov explained that he was speaking to man himself. <laughs> and that just as God has creative powers to create a world, we also have creative powers to create a Dira for HaKadosh Baruch 
So in our very dear Petachon means a dwelling place for God down below in the world. So it means as follows. Really what it is is tremendously empowering. If you understand what this is, then you say just as God is a creator of worlds, man has in his DNA to be a builder. Right, like, which is it's why like, it's like a religious Genesis one of salvation. I think it's exactly that. Right, okay. so if you think about it, right, like man's desire to explore and conquer, where does that come from? Why do we have a desire to go to the moon or to Mars? Right? Why do we write movies about those things? The reason is because there's something fundamental about us that's creative. Right? Every cre- every single person in this room has a creativity to them. By the way, you want to know when you come alive? It's when you utilize that creativity. You want to know when you're in pain? When that creativity is stifled. The most painful conversations that I have with guys in yeshiva are, Rebbe, I don't know what I'm going to do in college. I don't know what I want to do for my career. Watch a person's anxiety when they start to talk about that. Why? Because they feel their creativity is like stifled. It's like, I know when I'm in flow, right? But I don't know how that's going to translate to a job. Like, I don't know what I want. Do I want to be an accountant? Is that where I'm going to feel my flow? There are people that feel their flow in accounting. There are some people that feel their flow in business. They're like, I am a businessman. Business requires tremendous creativity. So when you're speaking to them about business, they come alive, right? What happens when you speak to artists and musicians, especially those that don't want to starve, right? They feel very frustrated, right? Because they want to... They want to express themselves, and they're like, I don't want to be an accountant, but I also want to be, I don't want to be a music teacher in a high school in, you know, where a bunch of Jewish kids don't really care about the thing that I have to teach, right? So, yeah, it's 100% true. For example, there are people who feel their flow, their creativity and learning. So they say to themselves, I should teach. No, 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 right? Just because you enjoy learning doesn't mean you're going to be a good Rebbe. In fact, you might be really frustrated as a Rebbe, right, if you don't have Talmidim that share your passion. You understand? So they're limiting themselves to only a very select group of Talmidim, and they may not get a job. They also feel very frustrated. At the same time, you have Rebbeim that their flow is actually in connecting to the Talmidim. So it doesn't really matter what level the Talmud is on. He's excited to teach that Talmud, which is a big tire by itself. We could talk about that for hours, but let's not do it now. My only point is this to say is, my only point is this. Just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu is creative in the sense that he creates the world, every one of us shares, to answer your question, Aaron, we all share that fundamental creativity. Fair? Why, why are we creative? Why do we need to be creative? Because he designed us that way. That's what makes First of all, you can always, you can always ask why, yeah. right? But the only thing I can answer you is because the design of the world was such that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants to have a dwelling place in the world. He created us as people that are capable of being creative in the sense that we could now go do that. Why does HaKadosh Baruch Hu want a dira b'tachtonim? It's unknowable. It's his desire. Yeah, Roy. So God created the world ten, ten things that He used to create the world. Right. But those things, wait, He created no, He created those world, uh, the world of ten things. Okay. So He created those ten things before He created um, light and day. Right. Well, it 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 is, but it's in code, so you haven't seen um, it yet. But it's there. When we speak about basara mamaros nivraolam, that the world was created with ten utterances, what are those ten utterances? Right? When we speak about the ten plagues that undid those ten utterances, all of those things are deeply connected to the ten things that we're about to learn. So it's there. 
but you haven't seen it yet. But once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's like so. It's like you know. Um, if you ever played, you ever see those Where's Waldo things? Like once you find, you know, where, Where's Waldo is. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's thing, say, I don't know if it's a nationalized thing or not. Oh yeah. It's like so. Once you see it, like it becomes boring to play because it's like, I found it already on that page. I can easily just find it again. Once you see it, you can't unsee. Okay, you guys, ready? Here we go. So now, what are these? So the first thing we're going to do, because remember, the Alter Rebbe is very scientific. So we got to divide up our categories. So he says, First thing you have to know about the ten, about these ten bechinos, these ten attributes of the soul, is they're divided into two categories. Shehin shalosh imos v'sheva kfulos. They are called the three mothers and the seven doubles. Okay? Now, let's discuss for a moment. No, no, no. Ten. The first three. Seven mothers. Oh, not 14, not seven. Seven are in the category of what we call doubles. Oh. Okay? So now it goes like this. Some of you have probably seen this before in pictures, but we'll just make it really easy for you. Okay. Um... Let's talk about what's going on. What was that? Three, seven. Ten is divided into three and seven. Let's talk about the three mothers for a second. Well, you know what? Let me hold off on explaining what it means because it'll become obvious in a minute. Okay? So just, if you don't understand what I'm saying so far, that's fine. Just remember we have two general categories. Three mothers, seven that are in the category of doubles. Okay? Which means that all of them are going to be interconnected. Okay, so it goes as follows. Pirush, Chachma Bina Vidas. Okay, for those of you who that did not know what Chabad Chasidus stands for, Chabad Chasidus stands for Chachma Bina and Das. Now, what are Chachma Bina and Das? Chachma Bina and Das are as follows, and this is going to be critical. Three levels of understanding. Level number one is Chachma. Chachma is the initial flash of understanding, okay? So, I refer to this as the three O's. If you ever listen to somebody learning, it sounds like this. When they first grasp something, but they don't fully grasp it yet, so they go like this, they go, oh. You ever see people do that? They go, oh, that's the first O. They go, oh, right? Means they got it, but they didn't get it yet. Then they go like this, they go, oh. That's Bina. Bina is the capacity to take one thing and interpolate another. So people like this go, wait a second, but if that's true, then that has to be true. You see how they made the connection, right? That's Bina. So Chachma is the initial flash of understanding, but you don't grasp it fully. Then in Bina, you grasp it more deeply because you're able to manipulate the information. So far so good? Everyone getting this? For Bina, you're you're able to explain it? It's not just that you're able to explain it, because even in Chachma, you're able to explain it. But you're able, to, you're able to say, like, for example, like, if let's say somebody said to you... Um, like an application used to... to correct. You're, you're able to apply it, but not just to that, to something else. Yeah, like, like, like not in roller coasters. Correct. Right. Well, you're able to explain it. Right, so it's, it's, but it's more than just being able to explain it. It's, you can it. Right, I can take that information and I can interpolate it somewhere else. So it's like, um, let's say somebody said, uh, Kedushin, I'll take a true example. K- 
Kedushin is the formalization of marriage. Okay? So marriage existed even before the Torah. Right? You guys have learned that Rambam yet this year? Marriage existed even before the Torah. But what the Torah did when it said there's something called Kedushin is it formalized marriage. Somebody, so somebody gets them, they, they, now they understand they're around. They go, oh, wait a second. Does that mean that Gittin is the undoing of that formalized process? Right? Gittin is not just divorce, but it's actually undoing Kedushin. So that would be Bina. You took one piece of information and you used it somewhere else. You understand, what, you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah. What was the passage that Rabbi said earlier today? We're in the front chair. The one of Isaac Simon's hand on the Rabbi said the passage. Hamaven davar The capacity to understand one thing and to explain it somewhere else. Does that make sense? Okay. Last but not least is das. Das is the integration of the knowledge into yourself. Das is a euphemism for sex in the Torah, right? Because das is the creation of oneness. So when two people engage... So a lot of the Korean people, they don't have to because they still throw rocks. So I, I, respectfully, I don't talk about communities. I'm just saying with you, I don't talk about communities because I don't like to make sweeping generalizations. I know plenty of Haredim that don't throw rocks no, and are wonderful know. people. I there's a lot. There are some. Obviously. Um, and I agree with you that that, is a, that that is a lack of das in the sense that if you truly loved all Jews, if that information wasn't just intellectual, but it was something that was part of your being, you would be incapable of doing that, right? So, um, so what would be a good example of das? I want you to call out the answer right now, but call it out, but don't think about it, okay? Two plus two is? Right, so why, why didn't you have to think about it? The answer is because the knowledge is so integrated into yourself. You ever speak to like a real genius who's a genius in their field and they're just talking about something as if it's like obvious? Like because it's so much das to them, right? They're not even good at explaining it. You ever have teachers like that? That they're so brilliant. Math teachers, it sucks when they do that. Right, because what happens they is three steps they, they get it. So they move, they're moving fast because they assume that their das is your das. But the challenge for a teacher is what's das for you is actually chachma for somebody else, right? So slowing it down and, and being mitzamsen, consolidating the information, is what allows the Talmudim to learn. By the way, that's what's frustrating for the Rebbe. Because the Rebbe has massive amounts of information. He wants to just get it out. But the problem is if he just gets it out, the Talmud doesn't learn. So that's narcissistic. Right? What's the job of the Rebbe is to consolidate the information to give it to the Talmud. It's the ultimate act of humility. You understand? So, Chachma, Bina, and Das are also known as the three mothers. Okay? Why are they known as mothers? Because here we're speaking about the feminine role that, the, that, the inform, that knowledge plays. Namely this. Information when it becomes a part of you, creates emotions. So I'll give you a good example of this. Um, Michael, what are you passionate about? Golf. Okay, now it's a perfect example because I'm not passionate about golf. Okay? Now you'd think I grew up in the five towns. I'd be passionate about golf. No, not passionate about golf. If you weren't born in Lawrence... But I was. So, uh, actually, I was born in Farakway and we moved to Lawrence, so maybe that's why. Um, so you're passionate about golf. Um, do you play golf? Yeah. 
How far does your passion go? Do you read about golf? Um, sometimes. Do you watch videos like pros, like, yeah. and their tips like on what you could do better? Yeah. You ever hire a pro? Don't be embarrassed. I have. I okay. Have a, I have a coach. They like hook me up to like a whole simulator, and like it tells you like down to like the degree of like it. It's crazy, mamish crazy that they have those things. Think about the degree of knowledge that you have about golf. Would you say your knowledge of golf is Chachma, Bina, Das, or all three? Um, I think it might be I'm sure to the degree that you're good at golf, that's how much you have it. So for example, you might know things about golf on the level of Chachma. But if we were comparing you to, I'm going to say his name because it's probably the only one I know, um, Tiger Woods, yeah. right? John McElroy is a person? Phil Mickelson is a person? Okay. I think he's a tennis player, yeah. So, right. so Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods, by the way, that felt awesome. For the first time in my life, I was that Rebbe that like legitimately didn't know a thing. You know, like, you ever hear like, Rebbe and we're like, what's his name? Michael Jordanson? You know, like, uh, right, okay. So Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods, their chachma in golf is probably, don't take this the wrong way, a hundred times what you have? Right. Because they're the people that your pro would wish to even be a caddy for them. Right? Okay, good. So in Chachma, they know a lot more about it. In Bina, they probably know a lot more about it also, right? If Tiger Woods was in this room right now, he could give us an Iyun Shir, probably for weeks, on understanding the depth of the connection between every single thing, the way you hold your elbow, your follow-through, your mental state, right? Because it's also very psychological golf. It's a perfect sport in this case. So it's what connects my mind, my breathing, right? All these things are a fundamental part of golf. And I know very little about it, but I happen to know that's true, right? Yeah. Okay. But here's the difference between you and Tiger Woods. With Tiger Woods, all of that knowledge is das. So when he gets up there to swing, right, he's probably not thinking at all. It's just so muscle memory to him. Right? You say Curry? Yeah, I was just about to say that. When I watch Steph Curry shoot, he's not thinking about his shot. He's just shot so many times that it's pure muscle memory. Bensi? Yeah. It's the famous, if, if you take a look, go back, watch Michael Jordan, go YouTube, Michael Jordan shooting free throws with his eyes closed. You've seen that. It's amazing gaiva. In a game, to say, I can close my eyes and hit this, think about the arrogance, right? But it's true, because how much of a role do your eyes really play at that point? If it's all muscle memory, that's das. So here's the thing. How much do you care about golf? To the degree that you know about golf, that's how much you care about golf. I myself have probably swung a golf club less than 10 times in my life, okay? So do I really care about it? Like... I cared a little bit about it when, like, Tiger Woods just won something over the past year, and it was, like, some crazy thing, because, like, he won a Masters, and it was, like, nobody was expecting him to do it. We all thought he was washed up, right? So I only knew this because my Twitter feed was, like, blowing up where everyone was talking about it, so I'm like, I'm a little interested in this. But if you, and I'm not saying you because I don't know what you're interested in, is in following golf, but it's more likely that you're going to care deeply about golf and want to go watch Tiger Woods than me, right? Yeah. Why? Because to the degree that you know about something and you're invested in something intellectually, your emotions follow. 
And that is going to be one of the fundamental tenets of Hasidus that you must know. So get it now. The emotions are the byproduct. They're the children, so to speak, of the intellect. The more you know, the more you feel. If you don't feel something and you want to, logically, what would you say you have to do then? You have to know about it more. You have to study it. And what type of studying? If you only know it on the level of Chachma, how much are you going to care about it? The emotions are going to be very fleeting. If you know about it more and you're bringing it down to Bina, how much are you going to be excited about it? Even more. If it gets to the level of Das, then it will become impossible not to be excited about it. So you ever see guys after time in yeshiva, they come back and they're on fire and they love it and you're just looking at them and going like, what happened to you? Right? What's the answer? They learned. People always want to know, I don't understand why I have to learn. Rabosai. If you don't know about a thing, you can't possibly be excited about it. What would you be excited about? So you say, but those nanachs that are jumping on top of the van, those guys look really happy. Those guys look excited about their Judaism. That's drugs, right? That's not, that's the, yeah, right. That's the byproduct of what will happen. If you put illegal substances into your body for a certain amount of time, you will just eventually just go like this. Right? Okay, like... That's, if that works for you, you call a kavod in your life, but that's not our way. Right, that's a, that'd be a sick yeshiva, yeah. I mean a really sick yeshiva, yeah. Correct. No, you could. But if you just had, let's say, chachma, and it doesn't become a part of your being, that knowledge doesn't translate into action, don't be surprised when the emotions mirror the level of knowledge that you have. So for, I'll give you an example. And again, the topic is not Gemara today. We're going to do, there's a whole section on Tanya where we're going to discuss why we learn Gemara. But let's just say this, right? You can learn deeply anything in Judaism. And you should learn everything you learn very deeply. But the deeper you learn something, and again, if it's, if it's irrelevant to you, that's understandable right now, right? But the deeper you learn something, naturally, the better you get at it. The better you get at it, the more you want to do it. The more it becomes a part of you. So when you see people and they're like, I hate learning, right? And then you find those same people and they're like, I love it. It makes sense, right? One has invested themselves in it. They're saying, I'm even, and by the way, they're invested because, not because they're excited, but because they want to be excited. That's the difference, right? There's the person that sits there complaining and says, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, right? So there's a mantra there for a reason. The reason is because they have not fully decided yet that I'm going to invest my intellect in this because they don't really know if they want the emotion, right? But if you want the emotion, the only way, at this point, we're going to see later on in time, he's going to give us another solution, but right now, the only way of getting to that emotion is through the intellect. If you don't know about Judaism, how could you possibly be excited about it? So if you uh, invest in something, let's say you uh, start Right. You're going to feel very, very pained. So you won't have... You, because you won't have Chachma Bina Das. You'll still have this investment. No, because the emotions... The intellect never took hold, meaning it never got to a level of Das. Like, I'll give you... It's, instrumentation is... Instruments are a perfect why, one. Why does it have to be Das? Because remember, the deeper the intellect, the deeper the emotion. Right? So, like, for example, how many people have ever started taking guitar lessons? Okay, how many people have finished taking guitar lessons? And I mean finished meaning actually got through and know how to play guitar. Okay, now, 
What was that? Okay, great. So I signed up once for 10 guitar lessons from my really good friend who's an excellent guitarist. And I said, I'm going to be a Rebbe one day. I've got to learn how to play guitar because I want to be the Rebbe that can lead a Komsitz. There were two problems with that. Number one, I have a terrible voice. Okay? And number two, um, I never see anything through like that. Right? Because I didn't really want to like, play guitar. I really just wanted to be a Rebbe who could play guitar. You understand the difference? So if I really wanted to play guitar, I probably would have seen it through. So I had my first guitar lesson. And my fingers were killing me. How many people remember that? If you're like, and you're like, you're like sore. So Adayomazel, look at this thumb. This thumb, it never really recovered. It was bleeding so badly, it never really recovered. Why didn't you use the? Uh... Because I'm a doofus, right? So like, I, whatever. I just, I wrecked my thumb. Yeah, I, I was, I was. So I maybe did like, maybe I did a second and a third lesson, and after that, I was like. Enjoy the money, man. It's all yours. I was in Kyle. I didn't have money, but I was like, I'm never doing this again, right? So I like music, but I probably don't experience music in the same way you do, right? Because you have a deeper understanding of the music because you play it. So your emotionality when it comes to the music might be very different than mine. So if you only have the level of investment of like, I'm sitting here by a stinky Rebbe, so that's, I feel badly that you're in that position. I would encourage you to make a greater investment than finding a Rebbe that works for you. Know what I mean? I'm sorry if I'm that Rebbe, by the way. I don't know if you're talking to me. What? <laughs> I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. I was, I was saying, it, maybe I'm that Rebbe. Maybe you're like really frustrated with me that I'm not teaching you so well. Oh, no, that's not Yeah, no, I understand. This I'm, is where you say yes, it's it is. So sweet. And just... <laughs> it took us like, what are you talking about? The, um, <laughs> it was a bad joke. It was a real Rebbe joke, okay? The, uh, I hereby give myself smicha again for that terrible joke. You have what I'm saying, guys? Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, no, because, because all three dimensions become true to me, right? I know what it is. That's Chachma, right? I know how it, like, what system it's a part of. I know how it's, right, what relates to all things. Not just the significance, but, like, I can explain to you, like, Right, like I know what a chord is. I get, I know now how chords interact with each other. Right, um, that would be a second dimension. But then the third dimension is das, where I'm not even thinking about playing. I'm just playing. You understand? So all three still exist at once. Ezra. There are people that have jobs that take incredible brilliance to do, and they know inside and out of everything with that job, and then they, and they still hate it. All right. So the question is at that point. It's a great point. The question is at that point, why do they hate it? So I would say that just because you're good at something doesn't mean that's what you should do in your life, right? Because maybe you're good at it, but, you know, like if you don't enjoy it, right? If it's not something that speaks to your soul, it's probably not a good idea to spend 30, 40 years of your life doing it. So let's say, for example, oh, I don't know. Let's say you're, an, you're a tax attorney working for Wild Gotcha. I'm not saying any specific case, but I'm saying let's say you're a young NYU-trained lawyer. Um, a young married man. I'm not saying any specific case. I'm just saying let's say he's living in Passaic at the time. Right? And I'm not, again, I'm not saying a specific case, but let's say you find yourself pulling all-nighters, working on some multi-billion dollar project as a young man in your mid-20s. Are you talking about no, not at all. <laughs> but you're fast-tracked to make partner, which means you're going to make millions of dollars, right? That's, tra- that's the trajectory you're on. Now, you're really good at it, right? But the question is, do you love it? If it doesn't speak to your soul, you might want to give that up. Know what I mean? 
So, the only question then is, is this Torah natural to my soul or unnatural to your soul? If it's natural to your soul, as we're going to make the argument, then it makes sense to work through the blockages because you know that it's there, right? But you haven't accessed it. Versus, I don't know if it's part of my soul, like being a lawyer, and then maybe I shouldn't work through, through those blockages. Does that make sense? Is that female? Yeah. It's a, why are emotions automatically turned? We're not saying the emotions are female. We're saying the female here means that it gives birth to the emotions, that the intellect oh. gives birth to. Zach. Oh, is it possible? Oh. Is it common to have da'a without the other two? No, it's impossible to have das without chachma and bina. Because sometimes like, I play piano and sometimes I'll be playing. But if you ask me to like, start in the middle of something, I would not be able to do it because like, I just, I'm going through it by, like, by instinct. But I can't like, just start in the middle of it because I'm used to it just so much. Right. I hear that. I hear that. But das is, you have das when you play piano, meaning are you, are you a good piano player? I mean, for what I play that but I'm saying, when you, are you thinking? Like, are you, no, like, no, no, so when I play, I'm not saying no. I'm usually on something about other stuff. Yeah, that means you're good, right? Because when I'm playing, I'm like, okay, the third key, the fifth key, the seventh key, right? And I'm like, right? And I was never, like, I could never get past that. My brother plays, like, these amazing Broadway shows, like Les Mis used to play beautifully, and he was just, like, his eyes are closed, and he's just, like, moving across the keyboard, and I'm like, that's crazy. Like, I couldn't do that. Rafi. So if the more you know about something, the more passionate is it what we're saying, the more you know about something, the more passionate you are about it? True. Because like, like Ezra said, there's a lot of people, I mean, the same thing with the jobs, like, like right. that is not passionate about law. Right. Because he's a lawyer. Right, that's the point. Because if your soul, because even if you know a lot about it, it still has to be natural to your soul. Right? So, um, I don't know if your dad is passionate about law or not. I don't know. Because I don't know your father. Right. So that's probably exceptionally frustrating for him then. Right? Because that's, that's the talent he's cultivated. for like a lot of people with similar jobs. Like maybe they like the concepts, just not the job. Right. So, if you, so then he's actually passionate about law. What he's not passionate about is being a lawyer. Right. So like for example, um, somebody like that, if they had the opportunity to teach law, Right or to study law as, let's say, a, um, as working under a judge, right? Writing, writing, uh, well, what's, not dissertations, writing opinions. No, 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 that's, that's something else. Like when, for example, Supreme Court justices have clerks that they write opinions for those, right? That might be more interesting for him. It might not be viable for him at this point in his life, but that would be, he's still connected to the Homer. So the point is that either... When you know about something, either you're really passionate about it or your soul is frustrated. Correct. Exactly right. Sammy? Uh, you said there's three mothers. Is that the connection between each link? Uh, between like, action, emotion? Not, no. No, no. Because no. remember, these are, with, these are the ten that are within each one of the three. Great. Got it. Jonathan? So let's say that... Someone who, who's had like a fair amount of exposure to Torah in their lifetime, and they're like, like they're relatively like, like a learner, but like they just don't feel it. Like, and we know that, that the Torah is like the like it, it, it's what makes up the Jew. So how can how could it be? How, how can it be? How can we make the argument that like what is it not for them? Is it for them? How long do they keep going on for? So the Alter Rebbe is going to, as we get deeper into Tanya, is going to show us that the problem is not with 
the stuff that we're learning, right? But the mentality that we have when we're learning it. So the Alter Rebbe is actually going to give us very specific prescriptions of what are the things that we need to learn deeply in order to illuminate the other things. So think about it like this, right? If you were, let's say, studying to become a doctor, right? So you don't start in the middle. You start at the beginning. And each piece of information that you learn informs the next pieces, right? So for example, a doctor in his third year of medical school, right, doesn't just have more knowledge than the doctor who's in his first year of medical school. He has deeper knowledge, right? Because what they taught him in Chachma in year one became Bina on steroids in year two and then Bina on crack in year three. You understand? Everything got much deeper. So the same thing is true when it comes to Yiddishkeit. If you're not learning the appropriate things first, certain concepts in Hasidus, then you'll be frustrated, as many of us in this room are, when we sit down and learn a Gemara and we're like, this is totally irrelevant to my life. And nobody's going to get passionate about that because it feels disconnected. That's one. The other thing I would tell you is there is a condition where we're disconnected from our soul that no matter how much Torah you're learning, if there's no Derech Eretz Kod Torah, you might be disconnected from it. So for example, if a person suffers from depression, right? They learn a lot of Torah, but they don't feel anything. That's not because the Torah is not working. It's because you have to see a therapist to work through your depression. You know what I'm saying? And that's why it's so important to make sure that you're working not just on learning Torah, but also on becoming the person you're supposed to become. Iron. I feel like, well, I'll give an example. So like, I, I love skiing. That's something I'm very passionate about. I take every possible opportunity to go skiing. Great. Um, what level of what level of chachma bina and das do you have so, when it comes to skiing? So I like if you ask, as I'm saying, like my my, I guess you could say that I feel like I've skipped the first the, the big bina. I mean, like obviously chachma, like you know, you kind of have like that first like when you're second or third grade, or whenever you first down your first blue, you get you're like, wow, mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of good at this. You know, this could be pretty cool. And so you ask me if you ask me like intellectually, right? Why do you like like uh, bina level? Why do you like skiing? I no, I, I can't explain it to you. All I can no, say but is that's other other. You're bringing a proof for what I'm saying, because you're saying I don't know why I love it, but there's something about my soul that loves it, right? But, but I don't have like I, I I couldn't tell you I couldn't tell you the first thing about who's in the Olympics or skiing. Or no, no, that. but that doesn't mean that you're not connected to skiing. It. That's why I was saying when I was giving the example before, you may or not may, or may you may or may not care about Tiger Woods because it's not that you care about s- the sport of golf. You care about golfing. So you don't care about um, Sean White, for example, right? Are you, are you, are you, I'm saying, are you a snowboarder here? Okay, Lindsay I don't... Lindsey Vaughn. Lindsey Vaughn. She's actually retired. She's yeah, because she broke up and born her body. What's the, what's the new person's name? I, don't, I just said, I don't... Okay. <laughs> so that's, it. that's the point. You don't, care, you don't care about skiers. You care about skiing. But here's the thing. If I asked you to come to a mountain with me, let's say we decided to go to the Hermon together this year. Now, personally, I, I, I'm not a skier at all. A close friend of mine in Mavaseret, Maishana Aleph, had to go home in the middle of the year because his brother died in a tragic skiing accident. And after that, I was like, I don't really like that thing too much to begin with. It's not worth it. That's why my mother, my mother makes me text her. <laughs> so, my, yeah, whatever. Jewish mothers are a whole different story. My mother still makes me text her if it's like raining at night in Israel and I'm coming home. She's like, do me a favor, just text me when you get home. I'm like, Mom, I'm almost 40. <laughs> you know, like, uh, is this ever going to stop? No. You know what they say in psychology? If it's not one thing, it's your mother. So um, we're all blessed to have good Jewish mothers that love us very much. So if I asked you to go to the Chermon with me and give me a lesson, 
it might be hard for you to articulate the things that you do, right? But you actually have massive levels of Chachma and Bina. The only reason it would be so hard for you to articulate it is because it's Das by you. But if I asked you to give me a lesson and be mitzamtzim, that which you know, into words, I hate that. I hate you would hate it, yeah. right? But you're capable of doing it. Yeah, and you could say to me, Rebbe, if you do that, this is going to happen. That's Bina. That's, why, I'm, I that's the like point. Me. You don't need to know why. You've, okay. your, your level of Chachma and Bina is so intuitive, right, that it's, it's natural to you to know that X action will have Y consequence. I mean, at a certain point, your intellect gets your intellect in that subject. In this case, it's talking about Torah. Gets so high that you don't draw this intellect anymore. Kind of reaches a new level. That's why Rashi says sometimes you see this beautiful thing that Rashi says. He says Libi Amarli. What does Rashi mean when he says Libi Amarli? My heart says to me. What does it mean? My heart says to me. Rashi was so consumed by Torah that he didn't have a proof for what he was saying, but everything he knew about it said, I think this is the pshat, which is very different than when I say Libi Amrali, which is like, I don't know, I think I know a little bit. So like, this is what, you understand the difference? So you have that with skiing. Rashi had that with all of God's word. Right? Make sense? Okay. Good. Let's go, let's go one notch further now. And then there's what we call the Shiva Simea Binyan. Chesed, Gevura, Teferes, Netzach, Hod, Yesod, and Malchus. Okay? We're going to take a couple minutes now, and we're going to explain what these things mean. Are these like the seven levels of Aaron? These are the? Seven levels of Aaron, too? No. So, this is what we call the Shivasi Binyan, which are the seven days of creation. Okay? Each day of creation parallels, and we're not going to do why that is right now, but each day of creation parallels another one of the powers with which the world was created, okay? So chesed will correspond to day one, gvura will correspond to day two. Let's go through them now. I'm going to give you, I don't want you guys to miss this. I'm going to go through now exactly what these seven things are, and I'm going to show you why they're called the seven doubles, okay? So first is chesed. The definition of chesed is loving kindness, okay? Chesed is on the right side of the equation. Its double is gvura. Gvura means strength or discipline. Okay? So loving kindness is on the right. Okay? Gvura, discipline or strength, is on the left. Okay? You so, started out with chesed? Chesed is number one. I thought he started the, the first, like he, he started building the world with gvura. Like no. So that's, again, that's a complicated conversation of. HaKadosh Baruch Hu initially wanted to create the world with Din, but then he said, I can't because the world won't last, so I'll create the world with Chesed. But let's just start now understanding the Shiva Simei Abinu. Yeah? Each one of these things are separate powers that are critical in the world. So it's not a question of doing it at once or doing it seven times. The point is that these are seven fundamental powers that exist that are going to be necessary towards creating a Dira B'Tachton. It'll make more sense as we go through it. Okay. So, chesed just means loving kindness. Guru means strength and discipline. Now, why do you need both and why are they doubles? Well, what happens? There, there is a time where you need to be pure chesed. Okay? So, let's say, for example, um, you know someone who's suicidal. Okay? Is that the time to discipline them? <laughs> why not? 
because they'll kill themselves, right? So that's a time for pure chesed, okay? Let's say your child does something exceptionally dangerous. Is that the time to be loving? No, that's the time to be disciplined, right? If you come to your child and you say, let's say your child, let's say your little child ran out into the street without looking and almost got hit by a car. Is that the time to go, Shefala, I love you so much, but maybe don't go get into the street without looking both ways because you might, you might die, right? <laughs> it doesn't really work because, and everyone knows that it's absurd. Why is it absurd? Because the... Right, and at that point, the job of the parent is to discipline the child and say, if I ever see you do that again, you can't go outside and play with your friends. You have to be careful, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> I brought you into this world, I could take you out, right? So, um, so chesed and gvura, there's a time for pure chesed, there's a time for pure gvura, but they balance each other out, okay, in teferis. Teferis means harmony, it means beauty, compassion. We're going to go through all seven right now. Is this like the third of the seven? Was that? Is this is the third of the seven? This is the third of the seven. And Teferis, think of it like a triangle, okay? So Chesed, Gevura, Teferis. Teferis is what unites Chesed and Gevura. Another way of thinking of this is very simple. Avram was Chesed, Yitzchak was Gevura. Yaakov was Teferis. He was what brought Avram and Yitzchak together, right? That's why Avraham starts with the letters Aleph Beis, right? He comes first. Yitzchak is the future, right? Yitzchak means he will laugh in the future, right? Az Laughter always exists in the future. So the balance between Rashis and Achris was in Yaakov, because Yaakov, on the one hand, was born second, he was the Achris. But he grabs onto Esau's heel, who was born first. Or even if you look at Yaakov's name, the Yud is the highest point in the Aleph base, and Akev is the lowest part of the body, which is the heel, right? So, or, okay, without getting too much into that. But the point is, Chesed and Gvura are balanced by Teferis. Teferis would be harmony, beauty, compassion. Because compassion is what happens when you mix both, right? It's like, it's discipline with, with love, right? I have to tell you no, but it's coming from a deeply loving place inside of me. So does this have a double? It will, but in a moment. Is kind of like an ideal, ideal and compromise? Well, again, Teferis is not always called for, right? Because... Sometimes, like I said, teferis would might be inappropriate if your child runs into the street. That might be a time for pure gvura. What was that? It's just like, when nothing like extreme is going on, you should be like... Correct. That's exactly right. Teferis is the middle of the road. Um, We're going to see, by the way, Rafi, and this is very important, that every one of these seven is actually made up of seven as well. So there's going to be chesed sheba chesed, chesed sheba gvura, and so on and so forth. Yeah? A little bit of a stretch, but you know how I... Yitzchok was this one. Avram was Chesed, Yitzchok was this one. Make sense? Now you understand why it was Yitzchok who was bound to the Akedah, and it was Avram who had... Exactly, yeah. So, uh, why did why did the altar um, write the Tanya like this? Meaning, like, I think we're all decently educated Jews, and we would have not the first clue what we were reading, even if it wasn't English. And this was made for 
Hasidim who at best had a couple of years of schooling and at worst had none. So, so how I'm like I know this isn't exactly to do with this, but like reading this, I would never be able to like. Go like, back to go back go back to the introduction in Tanya. Remember what he said. He said, and if you don't understand this, go to those that do, because there were the, there were many Hasidim that were the Mashpiyim that did understand. Yeah. I think I heard something more like, oh, just, like guys, guys, what's that? Guys, I have a hard time hearing. Yeah. Since Abraham and Sarah were both like Chesed, that's why Yitzchak came to them because like work and actually took away one side. Yeah. Right. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. And that makes sense. And then so Yishmael, no, Yishmael is actually also Chesed, because but Yishmael is inappropriate Chesed, because Chesed is also one of the when we speak about Arias, the Torah says Chesed he, Arias is inappropriate Chesed because remember all of these things can be manipulated to do a bad thing, right? So an act of love is called Chesed. When it's inappropriate, it's also Chesed, but it's the deviant form of Chesed. I mean, like let's say like your kid does something wrong and you're like instead of giving him like a strong a strong you know whatever you're like oh he's my kid I love him whatever he does is okay like, right that would be one, one form or let's go to the opposite extreme let's say you want to discipline your kid disciplining your kid might be saying okay this is what you did this is the consequence beating your kid right is not discipline that's abuse make sense you could still say I disciplined him but you're like that's not discipline. Look at look at look at the impact on the child. Also, you can say kind. What was that? Don't say bad. Correct. It is, for example, if your if your if your kid needs to go to rehab, right, and you keep giving the kid money, and the and the kid's using that money inappropriately, that's not kindness. That's terrible. In fact, I once had that. An addict asked me for money, to. Um, not a small amount of money, but to help pay his rent. So he, did, he like, was going to be homeless. So I was a young guy, so I had some money, so I gave him the money. And his father came to me and he said, I know you're coming from a good place. It's a beautiful thing that you wanted to give him money. You can't give my son money. Because I can't give my son money. My son needs to go to rehab very badly. He's not allowed to have money right now. It's better for him to be homeless and then have to find his way to rehab than to sustain him like this. It was a very big eye-opener because I thought I was doing a nice thing. Turns out it was a really not nice thing. Okay? Right there? Well, it's a deviant form. It's a deviant form of being nice. Okay. So now let's go back into it. So, chesed, gevura, teferis. That we explained. Now this is called netzach. Netzach is victory or really perseverance. So netzach is what you have when you have a challenge that's coming up against you, right? And you step up to that challenge and overcome. Okay? Got it? Growth. It's not, it's perseverance. Okay? And that's counterbalanced by yesod. Okay? Yesod is the next one? Yesod is the next one. So just remember, like, we had chesed and gvura. So we have, I'm sorry, not hod. Not yisod. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Netzach, hod. Okay? Hod means splendor. Okay? But in this case, what it would mean would be to admit or to acknowledge. Okay? Like hoda. What do you mean by acknowledging? So, like, for example, to submit yourself... Right? To acknowledge that something is greater would be to submit. So there's a time for victory, right? 
right? That's the forward type of victory. And there's a time for pulling back, right? That's why it's on the left side. Gvuru was discipline, pulling back. Hod is the acknowledge of another, right? I acknowledge that there's another that I submit to. So there's a time for both. Sometimes you have a challenge. What's your, what's your job? Persevere, push through. Be ambitious. No matter what comes in your way, you go over it, right? So for example, if you're playing sports, right? And you've got the ball, and there's a guy who's defending you. It would be inappropriate to go, I acknowledge that you're the better player. Here, you take this, right? What's, the, what's wrong with doing that? Because the whole point of the game was netzach, right? And even I'll go so far as to say that if you acknowledge that he's a better player than you, you've already lost the game, right? Because so much of the game is mental. So here's the thing that happens in sports all the time, and they go crazy when this happens, but I never understood why they go crazy. Ask anybody in the NBA, ask any starting point guard in the NBA who's the best point guard, they, they think themselves, and they're right to think themselves. Because would you want a point guard playing for your team who went, to be honest with you, like, I don't know, I'm like 15th, right? You would never want that guy to be your point guard because that means he's already lost his edge to 15 players. When R.G. 3 says he's the best quarterback in the NFL, though, then it's the biggest joke ever. Right. It's a joke to you, and you're right because he's clearly not. But you want him. If you want... If you have him on your fantasy team, trust me, you want to be saying that. Okay? If you want... Right. The point is, if if you're a fan of that team, you want him to say, I'm the best, because you want him in Netzach mode. Is that not cocky? No, it's not. It's, it's, It's what you need in order to play the game. Right? So... Let's say, for example, J.R. Smith has irrational confidence, right? And that's why there are games where he'll just shoot as many threes as possible, and it doesn't matter, right? Because his nickname is Swish. Do you guys know that? They call him Swish, J.R. Swish. So his nickname is Swish. He has irrational confidence, but there are games where he's just unbelievable. And I remember those years when he was young and he was playing on the Knicks. There was real netzach there. You have to have that to play the game. If you're playing against somebody who you know is better than you, you've already lost. It doesn't matter. And then, by the way, even look at, uh, look at Jeremy Lin. He, he discussed this summer, and I think he's playing in China now, he, he discussed this summer the mental breakdown that he had because when Lin's sanity was in its peak, it wasn't just a din in like, Jeremy Lin is a, a great player. He believed that he was a great player. And when they brought back Melo, the whole thing fell apart because it was all Gaiva. Melo is mighty. Right. But at the same time, you don't want in a spouse netzach, right? What do you want? You want more hod, submission to another, the capacity to pull back, right? But when do you have a good foundation? And that's yesod, okay? So remember we had chesed, gevura, teferes, netzach, hod, yesod. Yesod is the foundation, right? Because the foundation is when you have both together. It's when you bring it in, and your sod is connected to the midah of your erva that, that gives birth, right? Because it, it, makes, it takes it and brings it real. When you balance humility and confidence, the capacity to persevere and to submit yourself, that dialectic, right? That conversation between the two poles, that's where greatness is. Tovia? Sure, healthy chutzpah. Right. Rav Cook speaks about a, uh, a, uh, uh, an Azad Kedusha, a Heilige chutzpah. 
Meaning, a, a good chutzpah would be to stand up for what you believe in. And sometimes to say, no. That would be a heilige chutzpah. Some people have just chutzpah about narishkeit. Like, I need to prove that I'm better than someone. Okay? So, now watch this. Okay? So far you've seen all the doubles. Chesed, Gevura, Teferis. Netzachod, and Yisod. What is Yisod again? Yisod is the foundation. These are like the triangles that like, I always see diagrams. That's exactly right. This is the, I told you guys, you might, have, you might, yeah, you might recognize this. So now, remember, so on the top is three. Chachma, Bina, and Das. They're going to give birth to these attitudes, these, these powers that you have inside of you. So what we're giving you now, Rafi, is a gift. What's the gift that you have? You now know, what people say, I don't know who I am. I'm going to tell you exactly who you are. You are a soul. Your soul is made of three parts. The capacity to think, the capacity to feel, the capacity to act. But within all three dimensions, Nefesh, Ruach, and Neshama, right, there's ten powers. There's the intellect of the intellect, right? There's the intellect of the heart, because remember, the heart has an intellectual part also. And then there's the intellect of our actions, Right? But more than that. Why isn't the intellect of our actions just a reflection of the intellect of our minds? Maybe. We'll see. It's a very good question. When we get there, we're going to explain that at depth. But I'm just trying to show you how knowing these powers of your soul enhances your life. If you're able to say, okay, wait a second, I got chesed, right? I know that I have a love inside of me. So then now it's not like I need to discover right, love outside of myself. It's like, where can I find love? No, it's the search is within, right? If a person says, do I really have the confidence to persevere and overcome? Yes, you have that talent in you. So for people that are constantly rolling over and they're just constantly submitting themselves to things that they shouldn't be, right? So they don't have to look outside of themselves, they look inside of themselves. I'll give you an example. Somebody said to me, he goes, I have confidence but only situationally. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> right, that, that, that's, that's a failure to... I have confidence when it's easy to Right, exactly. You, you have confidence where you're comfortable. But that's not confidence. Confidence is when no matter where you go, you're attached to that aspect of your soul that says, I can persevere. You hear the difference? Does everybody have like different doses of all of these yeah. Some people are more confident, some people are more harsh. Right, you're going to have people that are more connected, like that's what we said before. Avram Avinu is connected to Chesed. Yitzchak is connected to Vuru. All of them have all of them. Everyone has all of these things, but you're going to have different, different relationships with each one. Ezra. How does humility play into this confidence? That's, that's Hod, right? That's Netzach versus Hod, right? So in the perfect balance, it would be I submit myself to God, right? And in submitting to myself to God, that doesn't make me powerless. Well, it does on some level make me powerless, but it also makes me powerful, right? Because now that I've submitted myself to God, it's the godly power that's contained within me that I have access to. As long as I'm living by the by kochi yadi, by my own hands, I'm limited to the power that I have. So I'm living much more in a finite way. If you find yourself on the spectrum of arrogance, of netzach, right, you might want to shift over into hod. If you find yourself submitting to things that you shouldn't be, overly humble, right, you might want to work on netzach. That's how you balance yourself out. That's what Svira Saomer is all about. All 49 days are 49 permutations of the 7 times 7. Roy. Rabbi, I don't get every, like, every third one to refer to me. So I get that you connect the two ones before, but I, I don't know explain. How would you explain you sowed when it comes to Netzach and Hod? And how would you expect to explain Teferi coming from Chesed and Gubur? So, I know it's the middle, but I don't know how to... Like, I'll give you an example of what Teferi looks like, okay? 
Remember, there's a time to be very loving. If somebody is really hurt, it's not a time for discipline. It's time for love, right? If your child really hurt themselves doing something stupid, don't discipline them. Bring them to the hospital. That's love, right? So you're saying that He was chesed. He was chesed, so he didn't have gevura? No, it's not that he didn't have gevura, but if you looked at... It was too much chesed. Not too much, but that was the dominant feature. Too much chesed would be when you do something inappropriate. So Avram Avinu was appropriate chesed, but if you, had to, if you looked at the scales, right, it was chesed more than gvura. If you looked at Yitzchak, he had both too, but it was gvura more than chesed. Where there's teferis, the scales are perfectly balanced. And that's the best. That's, no, not necessarily. Because it's the best in some conditions. So like for example, if your child really hurt themselves... Right? It's not the time to have gvura at all. Not even teferis. If your child really hurt themselves, you have to love that child by bringing them to the hospital. Right? If the child now has to have, like for example, when my daughter lost her thumb, so and I had to sit on my daughter while they were reattaching her thumb to her finger, so the ultimate at that point was to hold her down. Gvura. It's not the time to just give in and give her love. She needed to be held down. So that's the time of Gvura. Most situations require a balance. Some situations require one or the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, what would it be like? like Same thing when it comes to, if you're playing basketball, you need confidence. It's not the time for humility, right? You need confidence. But if you're in a relationship, right, and you have confidence, it's like you're competing against your wife. That's weird. You should submit yourself to her by opening up, being vulnerable. Right? But you need confidence too in a marriage, right? Because sometimes you need, the, you need to have the capacity to say, this is a tough thing and we need to get through this together, right? So there's a balance of netzach and hod, okay? And that's Yisod. Yeah? Since uh, he's, uh, he, he's seven, right? he's seven and a half, he's seven and a half, he's Yes, exactly right, Tovya. Learning, and the more you know about these things, is going to shape the way you see these things. So if a person, for example, starts studying psychology, right? Let's take it out of Torah for a second, right? If they start studying psychology, they might realize, hey, wait a second. I always thought it was such a good thing about myself that I was really humble, but now I'm starting to realize... I could actually use more confidence in my life. And whereas I used to see those people as brash and arrogant, maybe they have something there. Or the opposite. Maybe somebody sees themselves as confident and they didn't recognize the value of humility. The more you learn about the way these features work, the more natural it's going to be to shape them. That's true. And now to bring it back to Torah, right? Because Torah ultimately is built on these ten things, right? The more you put Torah inside of yourself, the more you're going to naturally use these things appropriately. You'll know when it's chesed, you'll know when it's kvura, you'll know when it's teferis. So let's take something like, like calculus, for example, because that's something that you bring yourself with through the three. Does that mean certain types of characteristics and attitudes? No. While there is value in learning math, and I definitely think there's value in learning math, I'm not sure that's what we mean. You might enjoy math more now because of that. The emotion will be built, but I don't know if that's going to get into the chesed, gvura, teferes, netzachod, yisod, malchus calculation. Yeah, Rafi. So is the, is the goal kind of to like, when, anytime you have like a situation where you need to make a decision, 
Like, these are like your seven options. Exactly right. Exactly right. And if you really wanted to study psychology through the lens of Kabbalah, this is how you would do it. And I know people that do that. There, there are people that are psychologists and they're into Hasidus and Kabbalah. And you can see the amazing system that we have here and how it interplays with modern psychology. And it's amazing to see. Because basically what you're talking to when you're talking to somebody is like, usually a person comes into therapy when they're overloaded on one side, right? Like, I'm incapable of saying no to people. I'm a people pleaser, right? So it's like, there's way too much hode there, right? It's inappropriate. So it needs to be balanced out. And by searching within, you recenter the entire system. So what's um, Malchus? Like, that's a... Oh, so I haven't gotten to Malchus yet. So Malchus is the last one. Okay. Ooh. Malchus is when these things become a reality. In other words, like this. Right. So what it would look like is chesed gevura teferes, right? Netzachod yesod, and then it all channels into malchus. And from malchus it spreads out and it becomes real. So what that actually means is as follows. Let's talk about what a king is and who a king works for. So it's all together? It's the expression of each one in reality. So who does the king work for? The people. The king is not a king without the people. Right? And that's what it means in Chazal when we say, Ein melech below am. There is no king without a nation. Now what does that really mean? What it means is as follows. And this is what's critical. Why is the... Pre- this is a bad example today, but okay. Why, in theory, is the President of the United States worthy of our respect? Because he commands the confidence of the majority of the population. Correct. He is representative of the nation. You understand? So, by itself, there's, you look at that and you go, that's respectable. But the power that he has comes from us. What happens when that becomes deviant? Right? The President becomes a narcissist who works for himself. And it's all about getting the people to recognize my greatness. No, your greatness comes from me. So, for example, um, I, mean, I one time had the opportunity to meet uh, Mr. Jerry Seinfeld. Some of you guys know Jerry Seinfeld from uh, yeah, Standard. Was that? He's a scholarship for Israel. Does he really? And like, he'll pay for your flight, but like. He paid for like flights of like other NCSYs that are going to like Midmo and like other seminaries. He wouldn't pay for my flight. Right. Okay. So. He was Because I'm going to a pro program. He said. Midmo's a from program. I know. It makes no sense. Wait, Jerry Seinfeld, like the comedian. Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, was at a Mets game with Chris Rock. Wait, if I'm thinking about and a young, a young Mordechai Berg. These were my two favorite comedians in high school. So I decided I want to go over to them and get their autograph. So my father, Dave wasn't there. So, uh, so my father, we always had really good seats because my father was in advertising. So we always had box seats. So I had the Sports Illustrated box, okay, which was right above home plate. So you know, there's like the net, and you don't like sitting in the net because you can't see so well. We want to sit is one level above the net, right behind the pitcher, best view of the field. So Shea Stadium, Allah Shalom. We had the uh, we had. Those seats go to a game right below us. It's Chris Rock, Jerry Seinfeld. He said, Dad, I'm going down for their autograph. Now, my father's a very funny man. 
So he got the entire section as I went down to start chanting, don't sign, don't sign, don't sign. My own father. Why would he do that? Because he's a funny guy. And he wanted to see like, how embarrassed I would be. Anyway, so I walk downstairs, and I see, I'm going over to Jerry Simon and Chris Rock, and don't sign, don't sign. Everyone's kind of thinking, okay, but stay there. I have no busha. So I go over, I go, Mr. Seinfeld, Mr. Rock, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan. Can I have your autograph? Now, I get it. I get it. If they sign that autograph, what just happened to the rest of their game? The Eilam wants to sign. The Eilam. I like the way you said that, because the only people that go to Mets games are Jews. The Eilam, yeah. That's like the guy who's standing there, uh, you know, with his white shirt, black pants, his Mets hat on, and somebody comes over and goes, Mincha? And he goes, how do you know I was Jewish? Yeah, so... Uh, he has a spread his Exactly right. He's got a safer, right, because he's from, and he's only going with his off-the-derech son because he wants to spend time with him. You know the guy I'm talking about. The... Um, just enjoy the Mets game. You know they're going to lose anyway. So, the, um, so what happens? So I go, can I get your autograph? And they said no. But I was a young action. I didn't want to take no for an answer. I wanted Netzach. I wanted to persevere. And especially because my dad's got the entire section chanting, don't sign, don't sign. I'm like, please. And like, no. And I'm like, like, really? And I'll never forget, Jerry Seinfeld looks at me and he goes, would you settle for a nice hello? Like, like stop it. So I was embarrassed, right? I'm embarrassed now even telling you the story. I was embarrassed. So I was like, all right. I got, I, I got to meet a guy. I get it. I get why you said no. I get why you said no. But I walked back. But this was the thought I had to myself. Really, really, really? The power that Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock have is from all of us that watch them. It's from all of us that were willing to pay money, right, to watch them. So, for example, the only reason that commercials aired on Seinfeld is because we decided Seinfeld was funny. And now it was an opportunity to get in front of us. Or let's take Netflix, right? Today, Netflix is paying $60 million, $70 million, $80 million to comedians, right, just to have... Right? Chappelle's new show where he can make fun of uh, people and, and now, whatever. Oh, it was good. It was good. <laughs> I can't say, I'm just saying, but you know what I'm saying? If you're not, I'm not saying if you know what I'm saying, but I'm saying. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But the point is, right? The only reason, the only reason they're popular is because we decided they're popular, right? So all of a sudden I realized, I'm like, wait a second, that's Gaiva. Right? Because I get why they said no. It makes sense to me. I also, if I was in their position, I'd be annoyed by the, you know, short, fat Jewish kid that was coming, to, like, nonstop. But at the same time, I did feel there was, like, a little bit, like... Like, yeah, like, I'm the great one, and you're not. No, no, the only reason you're great is because of me. So, malchus in chasidus means as follows. Less lay... Let me just finish and I'll get to you. Less lay me garmi klum, which means I by myself am a nothing. What makes me a something is you. So malchus by itself is like a zero. But when you bring chesed into malchus, it makes chesed come alive. So I'll tell you a cool thing. How many kapitlach tilim are there? How many chapters of Tehillim do we say by Kabbalah Shabbos on Friday night? We say seven. We say seven kapitlach tilim, okay, culminating in Mizmor Shir Lioma Shabbos. And here's what's interesting. If you look in the first six, each one of them says the word melech. Only one 
doesn't say the word melech. It's the one you would most expect. Mizmor Shirli Yom HaShabbos. Mizmor Shirli Yom HaShabbos is the seventh one. You would expect it to be full of malchus, especially because Shabbos is Shabbos malchus. And yet, we don't find malchus there. Why? Because that's classic malchus. Real malchus is you don't even see me because I'm so busy activating everything else. Yicha? It's the ultimate in humility. Bensi. No, of course it's right. Yeah, Bensi. That's right. That's right. One, if, if it was just me that thought Seinfeld was great, wouldn't he wouldn't be great. But the fact that all of us think he's great is what makes him power, powerful. But remember, each, the whole is made up of individuals. So every individual that he meets that, that loves him and says, wow, you just said so many funny things that brought me so much entertainment, really, really, what he should have, again, I understand being annoyed, but really, really what he should have is tremendous gratitude. Because all the things he has in his life, he only has because we've decided collectively that he's funny. And think about all the comedians out there that are just okay. And they don't have the same notoriety as he has. They have okay lives, but they don't have what he's got because they just don't have those, the culmination of the individuals. So that's Malchus. Malchus is... Malchus is the culmination of every other midah. 